Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, everybody. Delighted that you're joining with us, especially as we are moving into this series on hope. You know the saying that starts, I've got some good news, and I've got some, say it with me, bad news. Okay, and that's what we've got for you today. How many want the good news first? That's like hardly anybody. <laughs> okay, I won't even have to ask that. So, those that... Uh, it's kind of like, you know, okay, just let me, let me know right away, guy, what is it? The bad news is groanings. Sadly to say that you are going to have groanings in your life and that which is in the future. You may have groanings that take place in 2023. You may be in the midst of groanings right now. Groanings is it's one of those fascinating words. Anamatapietic words, which means this. The word comes from the sound itself. Like the word oink. Hard to believe where'd that come from, right? Or boom. Groanings and its cousin, moanings. It's not that the words and what the words are trying to say, but it's the sound that just emits from us. It's deep. And usually, it's accompanied with pain. There's sorrow. There's a deep sadness that goes with it. Groanings ahead. If I were to ask you, when do you need hope most in your life? I think you'd probably answer similar to myself. I know I need hope most in my life when I'm going through very difficult times when there's groanings that I am experiencing, when I'm beginning to see my future, whether that's tomorrow or as far out as I can see, through the lens of the difficulties and the pain and the groanings that I'm going through right now. Now, truth is, some of the groanings that we experience, they're relatively short, right? Like, if you know that you've got an appointment first thing in the morning for a root canal, yeah, you're already thinking like, but you know, it'll be relatively short, right? Or if you got to go in and get your braces tightened up, it's like, but it's relatively short. If you're midway on a trip that you've been planning and looking forward to and you look up at the board and see that your flight is delayed and then canceled and then all of the other cancellations that are flowing down as a result of it, you're like, but you know that still, it's a relatively short thing. Not like some of the deeper groanings that we go through. When all of a sudden you find yourself being served with divorce papers that you didn't know were coming. I had a friend that just had recently shared that with me and what happened in their life and my heart just broke for them. It may be if you're going through a bankruptcy, there is a groaning that goes on and the future just looks so dark and hopeless to you. Could be some health news that you got that wasn't what you're hoping for, or the groanings that just seem to, you know, to, to, to crawl their way out of our depths when we hear that we're the one that has cancer. 
It could be an abuse situation that you find yourself in, a physical abuse, a sexual abuse situation and the groaning that accompanies it. Maybe it's a bad breakup that you're going through. There could be some deep loss and you know that those groanings, it's like you don't have the words to fully express how bad you feel, what's going on inside of you, though the groaning seems to say it all. How many are feeling hope-filled right now, right? That's the bad news. But I said we've also got some good news. And the good news is this. The good news is Romans 8.28, which happens to be one of the four most hope-filled promises that God offers to us. Now, if you're wondering, like, well, like, what are the other three hope-filled promises? Well, I tell you what, you come back next week and I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> no, that'd be like, ah! <laughs> that's a bad joke groaning that's going on with that, right? Um, lest we be distracted by this, the promises that God gives us to intend to fill us with hope. The first one is this that you can know that you have eternal life. First John chapter five, verse number 13, it just, it just puts it right out in front of us. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may say it with me, no. You may know that you have eternal life. If you've ever been asked the question, hey, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? Have you ever asked a friend or a neighbor that question? They might say, well, you know, I, I sure hope so, or I think so, or, you know, I'm doing the best that I can, you know the tentative of the tentativeness of that that just can be, you know, disconcerting within us. But Jesus said, I want you to know it. I want you to know it as sure as I have risen again, that you can know that you have been forgiven and that when you die, you will be in the very presence of God. And if you don't know that, if you don't know, know that, I hope that before you leave today, that there will be that assurance that you have and the hope that will come from it as well. Second hope-giving promise that God gives is this, that I am with you. I will always be with you no matter what it is that you're going through. He said, I'll never leave you. I will never abandon you. I am with you even in the midst of your deepest, darkest groanings that are going on. Third promise is Romans chapter eight, verse 28. We'll come to that one in just a second. And the fourth promise is this. Jesus wins. Ever since his resurrection, the declaration is pretty clear that Jesus wins. If you've never read the book of Revelation before, in reading through it, I guarantee you, the further you get into it, the wider your eyes are going to get it. It's just kind of like, you gotta be kidding me. But I'm gonna give you a spoiler right now. By the time you get to the end, you are going to be convinced of this one thing, that Jesus wins. And you will find yourself filled with hope, even in the midst of the chaos of the world that you see all around you today. Romans 8, 28 is set in the context of hope. In fact, a few verses before, verses 24 and 25, the word hope is mentioned five different times. Now, when the Bible uses the word hope, it uses the word elpis. Say that with me. Elpis. Elpis means an assured expectation. In other words, there's an event that hasn't occurred yet, but there is an absolute assurance that it is going to take place. So it's not like secular hope that is kind of like hope so, wish it happens, wishful thinking. Elpis is very different from that. 
For example, when we were told on December 23rd and 24th that there was a polar vortex that would be sitting over us, there was the assured expectation that it was going to be cold. And if you remember it, it was, it was cold at that point. When we plant corn in the spring, we biblically hope, in other words, that we're going to reap corn in the fall. There's that assured expectation of that. If right now you're trying to consistently save for your future, it's with the hope, that assured expectation, that you are going to be better off in the future because of that savings right now. We would all say together that we hope that, that summer's gonna get here. Now, we all know summer is going to get here eventually, right? But I mean, like, it just it seems like it's so far away. But there's an assured expectation that all of us have that summer is gonna get here. And when it does, we are all gonna be able to complain about how hot it is, right? Yeah, I mean, for, for sure that way. That's how the Bible uses hope. And this is the hope that God wants us to receive from him today and to take hold of in our lives. So, Ready for some hope? If you are, if you have a Bible with you, please take it and turn with me to Romans chapter eight, verse number 28. If you have a Bible on your phone, please just open up that app and look with me at Romans eight twenty-eight, and then we'll see a couple ensuing verses at well. I'm pretty sure you're gonna wanna do some highlighting in here today, take a couple of notes along the way as well. Romans eight, verse number 28. It's the God-given, hope-filling promise of his to us. Would you read it with me? Everybody together out loud. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now, what I wanna do is put up before you the literal translation of this. And here's the reason I wanna do that for you. I want you to see the word order, the phrase order that's in here. Because in the Greek language, the ordering is going to convey to us the emphasis, the most important being up front, and then it moves from that point. So Romans 8, 28 literally would read this way. It would read, to those who love God, he works together all things into good. To the ones who are called according to his purpose. The first phrase of that is this, the words that we know. Of all the things in that verse that God could have, you know, like put up front, like the love and the, you know, purpose that, he says, I want you to start with this, we know. Because it's from this assurance that you have, that we know that what God is promising to us, he is going to keep. You can bet your life on it. You can be as assured of this that follows as you are that Jesus has risen from the dead. We know this. So let's say it together, ready? We know, we, now what do we know? We know, the next phrase tells us, that to those who love God, it's interesting, Romans 8.28 is a very targeted promise. So if you are in this target, the bullseye, do you love God, then these are words that you know and that you can be assured that God is going to give to you. So if I were to ask you, hey, how many here love God today? 
Now, before you answer, I want to just rephrase it. How many here consistently obey God? And by consistently, I mean imperfectly consistently. In other words, you are striving to obey God in your life, and there are times that you don't get it right, but truth is, you're really trying to obey God. Let me say, like, I, I, I'm, that, I'm trying. I'm working that way. See, Jesus put it this way. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And my commandments are not grievous to you. In other words, you know that the things that I'm telling you to do, it's because I love you. And our response to Jesus, I love you. And that's why I can keep and do the things because I know you've got my best in mind. So to those of you who love God, here's what he says. He says that he works together all things into good. The first part of the promise is that God is at work in your life. That just kind of puts me back on my butt for, you know, when, when I'm thinking about like the creator of the universe is at work in my life in the midst of all the hope sucking circumstances that I find myself in. That's like, wow. Andy says he's not only at work, but he's at work into good. Now don't miss here what God is saying. He's not saying that God is gonna take all of the difficult, all of the groaning situations of your life and make them into something good. He's not saying that. In fact, the connotation of all things in Romans 8, 28 are bad things, are groanings. In fact, that's how the passage starts out in verse number 23. These are the groanings that we are going through in this world. What follows it are other things that can cause incredible groanings that are taking place. All things are not good things. All things, as it's used here, include hard things. That is, the things that cause suffering. And God is not saying the things that are causing suffering in our life are good. Because in many cases, it's not. It's talking about bad things. As in, things that sin has created. When someone sins against you, and that's what's causing pain in your life. God's not putting a little sticker on it and saying, we're going to say this is a good thing right now. It's not a good thing. It's never been a good thing, and it will never be. When we sin in our life, God's not saying, well, I'm taking your sin, I'm turning it into something good. He's saying that I can work unto good. He's not saying all things are good or all things are going to come out. Don't hear God saying this, that that everything is just gonna turn out all right. Because he's not saying that here. He's saying that he is going to be at work, though, in everything, unto good. There will be good that can come in our life. There'll be good and come from other people's lives. There's gonna be good and glory that comes to God through the working he does in the all things that I think we could say we wish were never a part of our lives. Causes of groaning. And then he wraps it up with this. To the ones who are called according to his purpose. And if you're wondering like, who is that? We'll just go right back to the front. That's to those that love God. 
This is a promise that God, it's a declaration that God is making for anyone who loves him. Now, if that's the case, he goes on to say this in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, who is Jesus, right? That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, God's purpose in what he's doing, he said, I want to work in your life to help you to become more like Jesus. Because if I do, it's going to be for your good. It's going to be for the good of those around you. And it's also going to be good for the entire world. Now, he's not done at that point. I want you to see just how committed God is to doing what he said he's going to do in 28 and 29. That's verse 30. And those God predestined, God also called And those God called, God also justified. And those God justified, God also glorified. This is God's part in keeping up with the things that he said that he's going to be doing in our lives. That is a deep, deep commitment that God is making to us that way. Sometimes when we hear that word, predestined, though, it kind of, throws us off a little bit. Predestined can be taken as a fatalism. In other words, if God has predestined, he's determined everything that's going to take place that is going to take place. It's like he's programmed it all. Doesn't that just make me a puppet that's moving through this life together? Or sometimes people hear the word predestined this way. God has predestined the lucky ones to go to heaven. And God's predestined the unlucky ones. Well, they go to hell. However you're predestined, you really don't get a say in the matter. Neither of those are even close to how the Bible uses the word predestined. Predestined is actually a word of hope because it's a word of God determination. It's a commitment of God and what he is doing and wants to be doing in our lives. I think this is helpful. God predestines Christians. In other words, if you are an individual that's received Jesus as your savior, God then predestines you. If you're not a person that's received Jesus, if you're not a Christian or if you're not yet a Christian, then there's no predestination that God is doing in your life. This is a word only for Christians. But if you are a Christian, God said, look at how committed, verse 30, I am to doing my part. This is his part, he said yet. He's got our part in other places. But this is my part, and I'm this committed to you to accomplishing all that I just promised to you. Like I said, there's a lot of hope that comes from that. But Jesus was clear. We are responsible before God for our choices and our actions. God, he is in control. He is sovereign, and he will be doing the things that he has said that he will do in our lives as well. So let me take us back to our signs. We've said there's some bad news and there's some good news. The bad news is that all of us are gonna go through what? Sadly, 
There will be groanings that come into our lives, things of deep, deep hurt, things that we wish weren't there, things that we wanna run from or escape in our lives. And maybe, you may be in the midst of some of these right now. And if today you find yourselves, yourself, groaning, I wanna remind you that God is with you. And we wanna take the opportunity today to make sure that we pray with you for the grace that God will give you through that. So today's a day of, of pain and groaning. Before you leave today, our prayer team's gonna be down front. I want you to come, and I just want you to allow them to pray over you for God's extra help and grace in your life that way. Bad news. This is inevitable. The good news is, though, what? Good news is this, that God is at work in all things into good in our lives. Now you may go, you know, guy, I'm really not feeling it. <laughs> um, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't see this in my life right now. And if that is where you're coming from, I'm not here to invalidate what you say you're seeing and feeling in your life. But I do wanna ask you this, um, everybody. How many here are parents? How many here are, if you're a parent, can I just hear for a second? Okay, for, for the parents that are here. Let me just ask you this. Has there ever been a time that you, in doing good and with good intentions to help your kids, that they didn't see it? <laughs> Has there ever, for some like, like has there ever been a time that you have been determined to do good to your child, but they weren't feeling it? Let me change this around. How many here are either a son or daughter? Can I see your hands? <laughs> Amazing, right? As a son or daughter, has there ever been a time that you realize now that your parent, they were doing good, they wanted good for you, they were doing something for your good, but you didn't see it or you didn't feel it in your life. In fact, you thought they were doing the opposite. Anybody feel that? Like, like yeah, but now, now you're like, you look back and go like, oh, like, I can't believe it. My parents actually had common sense. Like, I can't believe my parents, you know, like, they, they, they did love me when they were trying to do those things. Your eyes are open to it now. Today, I'm hoping there's a lot of our eyes that are just gonna begin to be opening up to seeing what God is doing in our lives in the midst of it. In fact, if I were to ask this question, as I do, how many here actually came to Jesus? You trusted Jesus as your savior during a time of groaning in your life, during some, during some very, very difficult circumstances. Anybody here like that? Now, if you look around the room, if you could hear the stories, some of it you would go like, like I groan when I hear about what you were going through that way. It's like, oh no, like no, I'm so sorry to hear that. But in the midst of even that, God was able to give to you life. And God was able to connect with you. And you have had your life changed as a result of that. Well, as a, as a child of God now, he is at work in the midst of some of the most difficult things. And he says, I want you to know. 
not hope for. But even when it just seems so dark and hopeless to go, but I know that God is working even in the midst of my groanings right now. It may be the good is in the near future. Though it may be that the good is way further down the road. It may be the good is just going to be to the glory of God. And let me ask, if that's the case, are you okay with that? Are you good with going through groanings that ultimately God would get glory for? Now, what does God want to do? God wants us to receive this good or have this good working done in us in becoming more like Jesus. So if you're taking a note, and again, everything I've said today, they're in notes, they're on the app. If you want to just you know, pull them up later or look at them, share them. But if you take this little formula, my groanings reveal, my groanings reveal, and specifically, they reveal how I need to be more like Jesus. And then the blank would become Here's what it reveals. Let me, let me talk about it from a personal perspective. So last year, I had this project I was so invested in. I was invested time-wise in it. I was invested energy in it. I was invested finance. I mean, I, I was so invested and I had such high hopes that this project was going to be amazing. And when it took place, it just kind of like bombed. And when it didn't, when I realized that, I groaned. I groaned because of all the investment I had in it. I groaned because of all the expectation I had for it. And I felt two things. I felt a deep sadness. And I felt a rage within. I was mad. I mean, I'm like, I'm just mad. And I'm sad at the same time. So that's, that, that's this groaning I had. Now, what did that reveal to me about Jesus? Now you're like, how do you, like, how do you know what Jesus is really like? Well, if we take a short list, and this is a short list, it's not comprehensive, it's a short list, found in Galatians 5. It tells me this, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, Jesus was the personification of these. The personification of love, personification of joy, and so on down, down the road. So this great disappointment I was going through, I then took this list about what Jesus is like and said, God, is there something you want to do in my life through this huge disappointment that I'm going through right now? And I started working through the list. And I said, God, is this supposed to show me that I'm supposed to be more loving? And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty good that way. And then I hit the next one. Does this show me I'm supposed to be more joyful? And it's kind of like, Ding, 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 ding. I'm just going like, I am so miserable to be around. I'm miserable to myself. I'm miserable to the people around me. I am so joyless because the project didn't go the way I wanted it to. Now, even when you say it out loud, you're just like, oh, that is so self-condemning. <laughs> but when I saw this lack of joy, I'm like, so my joy is now determined on this, on these circumstances, all that I have to be joyful in? And Jesus began doing a work in me as far as 
having joy and being joyful. And I can tell you my life is so much better and the lives of those people around me are so much better as a result of that. See, my groanings revealed this lack or need for Christ-likeness in the area of joy. Now, sometimes I find myself fighting with my wife. Sometimes I'm just fighting with Denise. I'm not saying Denise is fighting with me, but I'm just like fighting with her. And when I'm fighting with Denise and just like so frustrated, you know, like, I groan, that kind of a groaning. I look at this list. And when I look at this list, you know what I think? I think Denise needs all of these. She needs to be more loving. She needs to be more joyful, right? It's true. I do think that for a second. And then the Holy Spirit, someone like Jesus comes right alongside of me and says, like, Really, guy? <laughs> like, really? Where, I mean, and honestly, this list can be painful if it weren't so good and life-changing. And when I take whatever it is I'm fighting about and put it up against that, and this is revealing a need for love and you know, greater love, and it's yes, and joy, yes, and peace, and it's like right down the line. And it has helped me to be everything that I want and need to be. God doesn't want what you're going through to be wasted. I'd keep, my, you know, keep a bookmarker here, write these things down, put them on a screensaver so you can just pop it up on your phone and take a look at it and just going like, in my groanings, is there something that God would want me to be more like Jesus in? Because if you are, and when you are, you will experience the risen Christ. And you will realize that you really are better the more that you're like Jesus. And that the people around you, they're better. And the world, you, you can make a difference the more that you're like Jesus and the world is better as well. And God says, I want you. I want you to be filled with hope because I am with you and I'm working in your life. And I want you to know there is purpose in each and everything that we go through. And so this year, when things are there that we wish weren't there, we can go like, you know what, I know this. And I'm going to experience God and let him do his part as I do my part in that. And I guarantee you, you will not find your hope that's draining away, but you are going to be receiving a new and a fresh hope from God, even in the midst of those groanings we're going through. Now the foundation again, it's Jesus. And as I mentioned earlier, if you haven't received Jesus yet, you can know that you have eternal life by putting your faith and trust in these fundamentals, the gospel, that what Jesus did on the cross was for you and your sin. He died for you to pay the price of your sin. He's risen for you and will be there for you as well. And if you haven't called upon him, ask him for that saving grace in your life. I hope that you will, even in this closing prayer. For the rest of us, for those that love God, we know that God is with us and God is working. And I want you to open yourself up to a new and fresh hope that comes from him today. Would you pray with me? 
Jesus, thank you for the grace that you made possible with your horrific death on the cross and in your glorious resurrection. And for those that are here now, may have known about it before, but never really acted on it, never called upon you declaring, Jesus, you died for me. I need you and I come to you asking you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's your prayer today, I wanna ask you, would you lift your hand to acknowledge that you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior today? First time ever, but wholeheartedly. Yeah, cool. Others, just wave at me if it takes me a second to see you. Yeah, several on the balcony. Thank you for your saving grace, Jesus. And thank you, Father, that in each and every one of us that have trusted Jesus, that you have predestined us to something that is good and better and greater than where we are right now in this life as well as the life to come. May we be filled with hope. And God, please help those that are in the midst of groaning right now. Help them to see you really are at work in their life. That's our prayer. We offer it in the name of Jesus and everybody in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.